Welcome to Welcome to the Hallwell Manor. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And we're here to talk about Season 2, Episode 6 of Charmed. That old black magic. Okay, I really like this episode. I did too. This was an enjoyable episode. Uh, This episode was directed by James L. Conway, who we've seen before. He directed The Wendigo. Oh, that's that's a fun, bad episode. Yeah. And, okay... This episode was written by sisters, Valerie and Vivian Mayhew, Mm -hmm. who have done one other episode of Charmed, one episode of The X-Files, and one episode of The Fugitive, and that is all I could find out about them online. Mysterious. I just, I, I needed to know more about them because Valerie and Vivian Mayhew is the witchiest sounding names. I was... I don't know. I wanted to know more. There was no more that I could find. The end. (laughs) We really needed this episode after last week. After... Yeah. After she's a man baby, which... Did did we point out that was an Austin Powers reference? No, we didn't. Because that title was an Austin Powers reference, which... Yeah, I know. I kind of... God, that should have been the time for you, shouldn't it? Ugh, I guess so. Honestly, when I posted that episode, I didn't want to break our convention where the title of the podcast episode is the same as of the episode we watched. Mm. But I felt kind of a full body cringe posting that episode title. But it's okay, it's behind us now. It's behind us. And now we're going to talk about that old black magic. Which opens with two explorers, one of whom may be familiar to you. It's Jonathan from 30 Rock, or, God, some guy from Weeds. I don't remember the name of his character in Weeds. Also some guy from The Comeback. Hmm. And some other show, too. I don't know what other show he was on, but I know that when he was off of 30 Rock for that season, it was because he was doing another show. That was like Whitney or... Oh, was it Whit? I, you know, I think you're right. I think it was Whitney. All I know is it was a one-word ladies' name show. Yeah. That didn't last, though, so he came back to 30 Rock. Yeah. Which, I I like this actor. I'm kind of disappointed he isn't in more stuff. Oh, I feel like I see him pop up all the time. Mm. So, he and his friend are treasure hunting. There's allegedly uh, gold in those... Those hills? Yes, there's gold in those hills. So, they crawl into a little crevasse past a skeleton which his friend points out you know hey maybe we shouldn't go to a place where there are just skeletons all willy-nilly which i like i feel like skeletons get used for like spooky set dressing a lot Mm -hmm. and people just sort of ignore them and don't point out hey skeletons are bad i mean they're they're good when they're inside you but they're bad when they're out and about okay i want to point out that you said crevasse this isn't, this is a huge cave with a giant opening. How is there a dead body that's been allowed to decompose to a skeleton inside of this cave? Well, well. Well? So, I feel like maybe we can talk about why no one has discovered a body in this general area when we get to the other people who are exploring this general area later. Okay, okay, fair enough. But anyway, these two, while looking for treasure, accidentally uncover a lady who I guess was just waiting for some non-skeleton people to stumble into her cave. 
Yes, and to, to free her. To free her from... Caveness. Yes, yes. She asks what year it is and is told that it is 1999. And so oh. she is going to party like it. <laughs> yes. Oh, also she has a giant snake wrapped around her. As one does. Also, she clearly has a Bernadette Peters look. Yes, yes. This is real clear pulling from Bernadette Peters. Yeah, I feel like people were inspired by Into the Woods when they were doing this casting. Mm. Was the PBS uh, recording, like, out and about it around this time? Do you oh, know? yeah, absolutely. Yeah. God, if you get the chance to watch that, you should. It's so good. It used to be on Netflix, but I think they took it off. Yeah, I don't think it's on Netflix now. I purchased it on Google Play for us to watch, so it's readily available. And yes, definitely watch that and not the movie version they did. It's fine. I feel like we've talked about this before, but it's the movie's fine, but the play's a lot better, and you can see the play just as easily as you can see the movie. Well, that's the thing. Why would you watch the movie when there's another better version readily available? Yeah. Anyway... Not Bernadette Peters says that it's been 200 years since she was locked in this cave, and then she throws a shrinking powder onto the uh, treasure hunters. Who just stand there shrunken and start arguing with each other? I feel like this is when you try to get away from the witch who threw powder on you and shrunk you. Well, how away can you get? She They got shrunk. You could get more away than just standing there and watching her approach you, pick you up, and feed you to her snake. Well, also, they're about to die, so this is the one guy's last chance to say I told you so to the other guy. You can do that while running. I mean, I get it. They kind of have to work with the special effects that they have. Right, of course. The guys can't run because, yeah. So... Yes, this witch picks up the two explorer guys, feeds them to her snake. I like how they were all decked out in, like, Indiana Jones gear, even though they were just in some park in San Francisco. Yeah, they were basically role-playing treasure hunters, weren't they? And as in all role-playing sessions, it ended badly. Being swallowed by a snake. It happens. So, the witch pours some more of that magic powder onto her snake and tells the snake to go find her wand. And the snake vanishes to magically go find her wand, I guess. Mm. Do your own work, lazy ass. Uh, her work is training the snake to find her wand. <laughs> work smarter, not harder. Is training snakes to do stuff for you smarter and not harder? It seems like you're putting in more effort, one would imagine. I mean, I don't know what it takes to train a snake. Yeah, I guess, especially with magic powder. I do like that magic powder is, like, her thing. I like that the magic powder basically does whatever she needs it to do. Yeah. It's all-purpose powder. Is she the witch that Leo visited in the Dishwalla episode? Because remember, he got that powder that made the guy, uh... Right! Made no, the... because she's been sealed away for 200 years, but... But right! Who's to say white lighters can't time travel? I mean, it seems like everyone else can. Right? So, we go from the cave to Buckland's. Where Prue is once again dressed in a business-appropriate outfit? The hell? Well, I mean, it's a business-appropriate blouse, but she has it unbuttoned to an inappropriate extent. Uh. But it's okay, because she's gonna be on TV. She's doing a 
Antiques Road Show show, which for, I assume, legal reasons is called What's It Worth? Oh, it's like that one episode of The Simpsons, Boy Scouts in the Hood, where the, you know, the group in that episode is like the junior campers, even though the title of the episode is Boy Scouts in the Hood. Yes. Yes. I mean, yeah, obviously they couldn't call it Antiques Roadshow without getting Antiques Roadshow involved. Would they be upset by that? I mean... Well, I mean... It... There was an episode of Will and Grace where they went on just straight Antiques Roadshow. Yeah, but I'm sure Antiques Roadshow was involved. I was actually going to mention Drop Dead Diva, mm-hmm. which aired on Lifetime and really took advantage of the NBC Universal banner that they were under. So, like... Tim Gunn is in an episode, and Barbara Cochran from Shark Tank is in an episode. Oh, dear Lord. Wasn't Tim Gunn also in that, like, I feel like it was a Disney Channel original movie where a popular girl dies, and if she doesn't help the least popular girl in school become prom queen, she's going to hell? Yes. Yeah, I think he was. Yeah. Was he playing the same kind of role in Drop Dead Diva? Because I know that's also about a woman who dies and then comes back to life with the help of, in this case, Jonah from Superstore. No, he just played himself in a dream sequence. Ah. He also played himself, sort of, in the comic Models Models Inc. I was going to reference that, yeah. Which, yeah. Marvel has a really hard time marketing to women, which you think they wouldn't... You, you hire you hire some women, and you have them write a book, and then women buy it. I feel like that's... I mean, I feel like they're getting better at it now. Yeah. yeah. In, in the last few years. I just... Do you remember Marvel? Do you remember the, the, the Divas book? Where it's like sex in the city, but with superheroes. And it was like Black Cat and Misty Knight and Firestar and... I do not remember that book. Okay, it was one of those things where it was like original She-Ra where they all look like the same character but with mm-hmm. different, you know. And it was just so low quality, but it was Marvel's big book for women. It's Sex in the City with Superheroes. Um, Misty Knight has sex with Dr. Voodoo. What? Uh, Firestar has breast cancer again, I think, because that's one of the plot lines they keep going back to with her. I, um... I haven't read that, obviously. I do own the Models, Inc. book with Tim Gunn. And it's only okay, but I just keep waiting for a chance to use the trivia knowledge that at some point in the 616, Tim Gunn wore the Iron Man armor. Yeah, that seems like it should come up at some point. Right? I'm just waiting for the trivia night where that comes up. Did, did he make it work? He did make it work! Uh... Anyway, back at Hallowell Manor, we see Phoebe because she's on the phone with Prue, and she is reporting to Prue that Piper and neighbor Dan are making out in the driveway. <gasps> Were they not? I guess they weren't, like, officially dating or anything. They but... made it official at the end of last episode. Oh, yeah, when they were pairing off Prue with her one-episode boyfriend and Phoebe with her one-episode boyfriend because it turned... Prue had a magical gender adventure which taught her that men are a-okay after all but we're never seeing her love interest from that episode ever again i was gonna say that we had an episode that played with gender so they had to 
restore heteronormativity at the end. Oh yeah, everyone, everyone's with a dude. Everyone is with a dude at the end of that episode. What's weird is Phoebe has been pushing Piper to like get it in, and yet now she's like, "Ooh, she's making out with neighbor Dan." Well, at first she was like, "Ooh, I want to bone neighbor Dan," and then she's like, "No, wait, wait." Piper needs to get over Leo. I'm just going to throw her at neighbor Dan. And now she's like, "Ah." yeah. So at the auction, Prue picks up a wand and she starts getting the heebly jeebly's from it, which really feels like it should be more of a Phoebe thing, but I guess all witches have an affinity to magic or whatever. So right. They can all use magic device. Speaking of the not devil. Speaking of magical tools god oof leo just sort of appears in the manor i don't think we actually see him orb he just kind of walks in behind phoebe oh no no we definitely see him orb yeah okay so he's like hey phoebe i've got i I need your help with this like new magical crisis and phoebe's like you should leave and then piper and dan walk in and we get this very very dramatic zoom in on leo which it's like I don't feel like that's earned. I don't feel like this is a dramatic Zoom-worthy thing. Well, okay, it's like, uh uh-oh, it's Piper with her new guy, but also, uh uh-oh, it's Leo. And it's like, at this point in the show, we've been told that they can't be together, so she's gonna go be with someone else. Although, again, I don't think they ever actually broke up. I think they were like... Okay, so we can't be together, but I don't want to leave you. And then they just never resolved that. Okay, but... And I mean, hey, it's it's the 90s still. This is back before, you know, one date with someone meant you were in a relationship. Like, Piper never said she was exclusive, to my knowledge. Although their relationship is sort of not explored a ton outside of... We have a kid together in the future, and... I'm committed to making this relationship work, maybe, except I'm also sort of into Neighbor Dan. And, like, we made out, and then you orbed away, and then I made goo-goo eyes at Neighbor Dan, and then I kind of hooked up with him in the next episode, so I don't know if I've actually had any interactions with you, you know, in between us kissing and then you leaving, and, you know, me starting this new thing with Neighbor Dan. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. I... I I don't really know what to say about Piper and Leo's relationship at this point, because even though we're saying they can't be together, the show hasn't really addressed the white lighters are forbidden from being with witches thing that will be the main stumbling block in their relationship going forward. Mm. Right now, it's just inconvenient that he's a white lighter, and we haven't been told that it's forbidden. Yeah. Yeah, so... It's almost like it's not so much that Piper is not ready to commit to Leo as that the show Charmed is not ready to commit to Leo. So Piper is leading Leo away from Dan and she's like, Leo, you can't just orb in anytime you want. Really, really obviously within earshot of neighbor Dan, but... Eh. Leo is all business, though. He's like, look, I know that we have a weirdly defined thing that Max just laid out but the fact is i'm here on witch business 
and Piper's like, oh, what else is new? You're never here about us. You're always just here when bad magic stuff goes down. And meanwhile, in the other room, Dan is talking to Phoebe, and he's like, why do you guys need a handyman so much? <laughs> like, for a handyman, he sure is here, like, all the time. And to be fair, it's a pretty old house. Which I mean, is what Phoebe says. All, it just, I know, I know this is the sort of thing you can't think about too much in TV shows, but... Piper and Leo are standing one room over having a very loud conversation about magic. Like, there's no way Dan can't hear them where he is. Eh. Eh. It's it's a convention. So, they kind of, Phoebe kind of shepherds neighbor Dan out, and Leo starts giving them the, the serious witch business he's come to talk to them about. Tawatha. Tawatha. Tuatha, which I I meant to look this up, but I forgot to. I'm pretty sure she's the witch from the Crucible. Oh, should we have looked that up? I'm going to look that up real quick. Well, her deal in this show, while you look that up, Hmm. is that she was a good witch who turned bad and started using her powers to hurt people, and she can't be vanquished, so instead she was entombed for 200 years. I want to point out that at this point in the show, good and bad are things that are reflective of the actions you take and not the show just claiming that a person is inherently good or inherently evil. So I'm very excited that at this point in the show, a good witch can turn bad and presumably vice versa, although we never ever see that, do we? Yeah, we don't really ever see a bad witch turn good. I was thinking, I mean, I guess... of, I was thinking of Tichuba. I looked it up. Tichuba is the character from uh, The Crucible. Gotcha. I guess, technically, and when bad warlocks turn good, a warlock turned good. But, I mean, as a part of that, you know, he had to stop using his powers. Mm, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Okay. I think this is really interesting. Uh, Tuatha, from my brief research via Google, uh is they're they're a group of people who are like disciples of gaelic uh of the gaelic pantheon yeah huh yeah so they're like they live in the other world that the gods live in but they interact with humanity it seems like most of them are nature-based and they're not evil they're uh Apparently there's a lot of different takes on them, but they're generally neither good nor evil. They just are. It sounds like that probably wasn't a direct inspiration for this character. More like somebody liked that word. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no. I I bet it's like that whole Hecate thing where they're just like... Oh my gosh. Or there's this great uh, bit in one of the Buffy commentaries where... uh, I think it's the snake demon in the think, basement of the frat. Actually, I think I know what story you're going to tell, and I'm pretty sure it's the fear demon. I don't think so, because uh, it's it, the guy who came up with the name of, I think it's the snake demon in the frat, was really, really proud of it. Mm-hmm. Until, I think, his cat threw up or something, and he went to clean it up, and he realized that he had just taken the name from his vacuum cleaner, the name of the company that made his vacuum cleaner. Yes, yes, I, I do remember that story. Well, what were you thinking of with uh, Gaknar, the fear demon? 
Oh, you're right. That is Gaknar. What's the name of the snake demon? The baby-eating snake demon or the, uh, like, the one from Band Candy or the one from the frat episode? The one that you're talking about, the one that was named after the vacuum cleaner. Yeah, the one from the frat episode. Was it Mashita? I think so, yeah, Mashita. That sounds definitely like a vacuum cleaner brand. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway, Tuatha is an ancient evil witch who used to be good, but then she turned evil? I guess that's just a thing that... The Succubus had that going, too, didn't she? She was a good witch, but then she made a deal with the forces of evil. Because because, her heart was broken. Yeah, because she couldn't find a man, so she went evil. Although this was different. The Succubus went evil and made a deal that, like, turned her into a different thing and gave her different powers. Tuatha is still a witch. It's just that she's using her witch powers for evil instead of good now. Hmm. I, I think that's a really important distinction. Yes. So a different witch sealed her away in a cave many hundreds of years ago, but now she's back and badder than ever. At least she will be once she gets her wand, which increases her powers exponentially. And she can't be vanquished by any other witch, witch. right? She can only be vanquished by a special person who is the seventh son of a seventh son. Yes. There is a chosen one who is chosen to, you know, destroy her, as one does. I do really like this because this is an episode where, again, I I like the thing early on where there are non-traditional ways to kill demons, or in this case, other witches. Mm -hmm. Although, really, I feel like if the Charmed Ones just teamed up and beat the crap out of her, like... You think just just fists would do it? Just just pummeling? (laughs) Just just get Phoebe to, like, kick her? Yeah, yeah, or, you know, cut her head off. It, it works for most things. But, uh, yeah, there, there's someone with a special destiny, and they're basically just going to be uh, playing support positions. I don't know sports terms. No, but you mean you like when the Charmed Ones aren't the only people who can do it, when it's more like... Well, I like when there's non-traditional ways to, like, when it's not just, okay, we need to do a power of three spell, okay, we need a potion. Yeah, we just need Phoebe to come up with some A-B-A-B rhyme. Yeah, like, it's cool when they do other stuff, and I do like this, even though the guy is just such a massive wiener. Oh, poor guy, he's just a kid. Is he? Is he just a kid? Yeah, he's just a kid. You sure he's not a 40-something-year-old? Anyway, at the Not Antiques Roadshow, hmm. Prue is talking to the woman who brought the wand in, and she is, you know, doing her, what? Oh, I ha- I've had this in my attic for the past 40 years. My husband got it, you know, at a yard sale for 50 cents, and, you know, I never knew that it was worth $50,000. <gasps> So Prue, Prue says that it's worth $5,000, and then this mansplaining dickweed comes up while Prue's on television and is like, well, yeah, but things are only worth what people will pay for them. Yeah, that is how that works. And he's like, hey, uh, I'll give you money for it right now, cash on the barrel head. And it's like, is there not security st- 
stopping this from happening? Yeah, he kind of just voiks it right out of Prue's hand, which one would think the TV people would want to stop. I hate this man. I really, really hate him. Well, you're in luck because he's a reoccurring character. This is uh, Lachlan Monroe. Uh, that's uh, the actor that's the actor uh, the character is jack sheridan he is prue's second and i think last love interest that lasts for more than one episode in this show i it's so offensive to me that prue is in the middle of this and he's like comes in interrupts her moment undermines what she's saying and ah. Uh, Looks, I hate him. I hate him so much. Looks like there's more than one smug snake in this episode. Thank you. Mm. Thank you. Yeah. Anyway, he he tells the woman he'll give her $1,000 for it, even though it's worth five because, you know, a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush or whatever. He's wearing black and Prue's wearing white. Oh, hey, you're right. Yeah. He pulls Prue to the side. He's like, look, maybe you could get her you know that much money but i could definitely get her this smaller amount of money and i'm super rich because i'm like one of those you remember the when swapping became a thing like that was yeah i mean that's what antiques roadshow was kind of building on yeah yeah he's like i'm a professional swapper and i swapped my way into being a multi-millionaire with you know a gold car and you know diamond teeth when he walks away all smugly, Prue uses her telekinesis to pull the note out of his pocket that has the woman's address on it, so. Yes, the woman gave uh, him her address so that he could come by and buy it, you know, at his leisure. Yeah, because he has to go to the bank first to get the cash. Because he decided that he was going to storm into this thing, do this whole Michigas, and he didn't even have the cash on hand to back it up. Mm. I have to go to a special bank. They they have extra large, you know, money holes. I'm not a fan of this guy. Well, you're out of luck because we've got a few more episodes with him in it. Ugh. I think he's even in the past episode, you know, the one where we go visit Phoebe's former life. Oh, is he? I don't remember him there. He might not be. It might just be Neighbor Dan, but he's in at least a couple more episodes after this. So... Leo has taken Piper and Phoebe to go creep on the chosen one. Yeah, they're they're at the high school because this kid is a high school student. A high school student who is getting like shoved and pushed around by bullies because his whole deal is... That he's a magician. Close up magic. Okay. The coolest thing around. Okay, I really, really like Piper in this episode. Early on, Piper is my favorite character. Mm-hmm. And she's my favorite character later on, too, but for different reasons. But I really like how she's like, Leo, this is BS. Like, he's a kid. You can't let a teenager go out and, you know, fight the forces of darkness. Who who are we? The Watcher's Council? Right. Which, Yeah. That is a legitimate point. You should not, you know, you should not be forcing teenagers to fight evil witches. It's la bad. It is bad. But, you know, he is the chosen one. Chosen one's got to chose. So Phoebe suggests that they go 
tell him his destiny by showing him their magic. And my thought is, okay, but Phoebe, your power is premonition. And Piper, yours is freezing things, which will freeze him. But I mean, it, it works. They, they, uh, they demonstrate their power. At first he's like, what's going on? Are you coming on to me? Is this is this some sort of penthouse situation? Because I'm not sure I'm comfortable with that. You know, you you guys are. It's creepy. Yeah, it, it, this is this is creepy. This is super creepy. And uh, Phoebe's like, "Oh, you think that's creepy? Piper, freeze him!" And Piper freezes him, and Phoebe just walks around. And he's the one person who seems to notice when a freeze ends that the person he was talking to is in a different position than they were pre-freeze. Well, I was going to say, from his point of view, it's not that Piper froze him. It appears that Phoebe teleported behind him. Yeah. I, I'm i just saying, Piper froze, what's his bucket, that jackass she was dating for a couple episodes? Oh my god, she froze him so much. She froze him, and she just leave. She did it on multiple occasions, so she also looked like she teleported. She just disappeared mid-conversation. I wonder if there's, like, another story out there where this guy was going to a neurologist because he was worried about these episodes he was having. Yeah, I mean, it's under... He was in the... I wonder... You remember he was the professor's assistant, the professor who was interested in the house, and Mm -hmm. then she got possessed by the woogie and tried to kill him? Yes, I, I remember. Well, you also remember that they thought the house was having gas leaks, but it was actually the woogie? Yeah. Do you think that was like who's he was in? He was like I was in a house that was having gas leak issues. This was his gas leak year. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's okay because he he moved away, so he he's away from it now. <laughs> Meanwhile, at the uh, the woman's house, the woman who has the yes, the old woman who owns the wand and is going to sell it to Jack Sheridan. Snake comes in through the window. Yep. The snake... And the snake, just to be clear, doesn't, like, slither in through the window. It orbs in through... Well, orbing isn't right, because it's not orbing, but it... It orange dusts into the window. Yes, thank you. I think it would have been funnier if they just threw a snake prop through the window. That would have been funny. Uh, The woman instinctively picks up the wand. That's smart. I mean, she would probably... It was just the closest thing for her to beat the snake with. But I, I still feel like it's smart that she instinctually grabbed the wand but it doesn't help instead tuatha shows up snags the wand away from her telekinetically and then uh prue bursts in just in time to see tuatha make the old lady explode prue gets there just in time to not save the innocent whoa but she does uh throw tuatha into the coffee table grab the wand and run away See, I, I feel like if she just thrown Tuatha out the window, problem I, solved. I'm pretty sure that wouldn't vanquish her. <laughs> I mean, she's just a lady with a wand and dust powers, right? I mean, I mean, I guess she didn't die in a cave for hundreds of years. Yeah. Does being evil mean you get all the cool powers, like not dying unless a certain set of circumstances are met yes yes it does there's this one really good uh i think it was a marvel adventures doctor strange story mm-hmm. where uh dormammu had come to earth and he had set it up so there was this very specific kind of 
group of circumstances that needed to be met for this spell to banish him back to wherever the hell Dormammu's from. Mm-hmm. And it was it was something like there needed to be 17 red cars parked in a, like, specific... Like, it, it was all just Doctor Strange was trying to get all of these different elements arranged around a city so that he could... Uh... Oh, okay. And I was like, that's a... I really like it when magic is stuff like that, when it's, like just creating these very specific circumstances so that something because it, it kind of reminds me of you you never played the pokemon games right uh that is correct okay so in the original pokemon games uh red and blue uh-huh there were these uh cheats you could do to uh like kind of play with the code if you talk to this one specific character and then went to this one specific location, you could duplicate items in your bag. Okay. Or, like, find Pokemon that were only uh, accessible in, like, this one particular area. Mm-hmm. Like, you could find them outside of that area if you did these series of seemingly unrelated things because there was just, like, this one line of code. And I, I kind of like to think of magic as that, like the universe is arranged in a really particular way. And you're just like exploiting. Yeah, you're just exploiting flaws in the code of the universe to, which it's, it's kind of fun because those games, they were built with like really limited specs. Like the, the original Game Boy did not have a lot of power. So they had to do all of this, like, kind of trickery stuff to get as complicated a game as the original Pokemon games were into them. Uh-huh. And uh, it's just kind of cool that, like, one of the neat things about it is that uh, they originally intended to have more than 150 Pokemon that were supposed to be, like, 160-something. Uh-huh. Yeah, you've shown me the that one Pokemon that's, like, the... The skeleton. Uh-huh. Because it, it just grabs random stuff from the game to bring in when it doesn't have the uh any images available i don't know just code stuff like that is really interesting not to be a gigantic nerd and really really specifically date myself but so one of the fun things with the sims when the sims game first came out was not exploiting holes in the code but seeing like how far the code would go like how far the programming would go like seeing how distantly related you could get people to be before uh the incest blockers stopped working yeah or or so in the original sims game sims would not eat food in a neighbor's house unless it was served to them Mm -hmm. so i trapped a sim to find out would sims literally starved to death with food right there before they would eat food out of a neighbor's fridge it turns out yes sims are very polite yeah yeah it's i mean that's that's part of the fun of games though it's like finding not necessarily holes but just playing with the design of the game yeah yeah that's one of the I, I I never tried it myself because I'm not particularly good at video games. Mm-hmm. But you see, like, speed runs that are all just built off of exploiting these different gaps. Yeah. Someone pointed out in um, the 
new newish Zelda game. Whenever you're listening to this, I'm sure it's not new anymore. But Breath of the Wild. Uh huh. Like if you do this certain set of things, you can beat the game in like 20 minutes. And they're like, so this means that Ganon spent a hundred years putting all of this stuff together to take over Hyrule. Some elf twink wakes up. Runs screaming naked out of a cave somewhere, like just hang glides off a cliff and kicks his ass 20 minutes later. <laughs> like. That's embarrassing for him. Yeah. I'm embarrassed for him. Anyway, back to Charmed. Back to Charmed. So, Leo, Phoebe, and Piper are trying to convince this. Chosen one. Kid. He doesn't look that old. He doesn't look that old. He just... He has a little bit of the Luke Perry forehead, which is making me project olderness onto him, I guess. But he's like, I can't be a chosen one. I'm constantly beat up by my six older brothers. And I'm a nerd who does, like, you know, stage magic and, you know girls won't look at me and how could i possibly be a chosen one and phoebe's like hey hey shut up you're only chosen for this one specific ass thing so as soon as you grab a wand and point it at some lady you can go back to being a giant loser who no one cares about and it won't matter right it's not like you have to be the charmed ones forever yeah honestly Honestly, this kind of sucks for this guy because it means his whole life is going to be an anti-climax after this one thing. You think it sucks for this guy? What about his next youngest brother? The one who is the sixth son of the seventh son? Congratulations. Well, see, but he's not constrained by like, oh, there's one cool thing that will happen to you and then nothing else. Yeah, no, he's got nothing cool that's going to happen to him. See, no, I feel like it's worse. I feel like he's basically one of those uh, kids who trains his whole life to be in the Olympics at oh, 16. Yeah. And then, you know, he has his one moment and he gets, like, a bronze medal. And then his life's basically over. Yeah. And not even in one of the cool events, like in ribbon dancing. Ribbon dancing is cool. You're right. Ribbon dancing is cool. And I, I think you mean rhythm gymnastics. Yes, rhythm gymnastics. What would you say is the worst Olympic event? The rings? Like swinging from ring to ring is it? It's it's a it's actually it's a part of of regular gymnastics. Uh I think probably is shot put still Shot put's an event, yeah. I mean, it's like the javelin but dumb. I mean, I don't do any sports, so I, I shouldn't, I can't criticize sports. Uh, there, there's this really good uh, magazine spread that was just all Olympic athletes that I think about whenever anyone complains about, you know, oh, that comic book character isn't, you know, her having muscle tone or whatever is unrealistic. And oh, does it show women who are weightlifters? Which Yeah, yeah, like, oh, she, like, she's too heavy to be a superhero. She And I'm like, look at all all of the olympic weightlifters look at all of them of course that's a whole different kettle of fish because it's like people are complaining about she hulk being muscular and it's like she's a freaking hulk what do you expect yes i mean i have other issues with the new super muscular she hulk from uh, 
the new Avengers run, which is why do you take a character whose whole thing is that, you know, she's... She maintains who she is even when she transforms and then take that away from her? Yeah, you're just making her into Diet Bruce. And then then they did this whole issue, which was, you know, her having this internal thing where she's, like, fighting her, you know, traditional she-hulk self and it's it's basically a big take that to people who are criticizing this and it's like uh and she's like she talked about how she's all like oh i didn't want to be a sex object anymore and that's what inspired this and like male villains would try to grab my breasts and now that i'm ugly i can be me and it's like you're really not making the message that you want like I'm glad that I'm very muscular because because it means guys aren't sexually harassing me anymore. Also, being very muscular is ugly. I, like, what point are you trying to make? Writer whose name I'm specifically not saying here. Yeah, I uh, we can't get into that because I will get way too angry because She-Hulk is... Your girl. My girl? Thank you. <laughs> But, yeah, no, we won't get into that. We won't get into what they... Look what they did to my girl! It was coming off a really good... Hulk. Oh, my well, God. Well, you know... Oh, basically all of the modern She-Hulk books have been good. I've seen people smack-talking Dan Slott's run recently, and they're like, it's so sexist. I'm like... Dan Slott's run is great. Yeah, I'm... It's one of those things where I'm like, look, I'm a guy, I can't really... I'm not going to tell women on the internet who are, you know, saying that a run is sexist that's sexist. I don't see it personally. Dan Slott's run is great and also a great place to start with She-Hulk if you haven't read her before. Mm. And then Charles Soule's run is great. Uh, the When she was Hulk, that was a great run. Like, modern She-Hulk has had a great run. The fact that they didn't know how to write her in The Avengers is even more upsetting for that. Well, it's really clear that he just wanted to use the Hulk, but he couldn't because Hulk was out of place. So he's like, okay, well, I'll just... Yeah. I'll just slot her in. So Kyle's leaving the house. Yeah, Kyle's like... Kyle, by the way, is the chosen one. I don't know if we said his name. We might not have. So Kyle's like, I'm no one special. I'm nobody. And he starts barging out of the house. But then Prue comes in waving the wand over her head. And she's like, Leo... Leo, wand. And when she walks in, the wand senses Kyle and starts to glow. And they're all like, yep, <gasps> yep. The the wand knows. The wand knows. Yeah, so they give the wand to Kyle and... Uh, he can feel its power flowing. So does he... You know, we'll talk about it at the end of the episode. But this really does seem like a kind of one-and-done destiny thing. It is a one-and-done destiny thing. He has one job, and it is to uh, to kill Tuatha. Although, as I just stated, to be fair, the job of seven generations before him was to just have lots and lots of sex. So, yeah. yeah. Anyway, Kyle has the wand now, and... Leo is going to train him how to use it. Yep, Leo's going to have to show him how to use it. This really doesn't seem like the sort of thing that he really needed to loop the Charmed Ones into. Like, I mean, I get that he's doing it so that Tuatha won't kill Kyle while he's, you know, in training or whatever, but... Yeah, I didn't really think about it, but you're right. This is the kind of thing that Leo... I mean, it's their show, so... But 
Yeah, this seems like the kind of thing Leo would usually take care of on his own. Although, again, I do really like sort of the universe-expanding thing that this is, because we know Leo has other charges, and it's kind of interesting to see that they're not just future white lighters or other witches. Like, he's got his, I'm sorry for this, fingers in a lot of pies. Like, there's a lot of destiny guiding on his part. It's not just within this one sphere. Yes, yes. Honestly, I wish uh, What's Her Bucket from the Dark Lighter episode hadn't just been a future White Lighter. Mm. I would like to see more of the White Lighters just having roots that extend all throughout the magical community. Well, as you've stated in other episodes, it would be nice if the magical community... Was a thing? Yeah, if there was more of it in this show. Which, later we get this weird fairy tale BS, which isn't really the same thing. No, that's not the same thing at all. No, no, no. Anyway, Prue is not convinced that they should let a literal child try to take out the witch that she saw blow up a woman. So she says that they, the Charmed Ones, are going to take care of this. Which, good. I, I really like this. I really like that they're like, no, this is a messed up thing, like... Just because it's his destiny or whatever doesn't mean, you know. Yeah. He, he's still a kid. Speaking of kids. Oh, yeah. So Kyle's in the kitchen and in walks neighbor Jenny. We said, or I said erroneously last episode that I didn't think she showed up anymore. This is actually her last episode. You looked it up? I did. All right. So this is her last episode. She's like, who are you? Random teenage boy in my neighbor's house that I guess I just walk into whenever I feel like it. He's like, uh, he's like, hey, I'm a boy's name. Kyle. Kyle. And, uh, gotta look, look at this magic stick I got. And she's like, ooh, do you believe in magic? And he's like, I don't know. Do you believe in magic? Why don't you look at my stick? And then he starts, like, magically spinning it around. Yeah, he puts, he places it on, uh, on his fingers and then it just starts spinning and Jenny's like, oh, how are you doing that? He's like, Magic. He just, he just said magic. And then Leo walks in. Leo, Leo comes in and he's like, no, how dare you break the masquerade? And she's right there, Leo. But also it's like, it's my first day. You just told me magic exists. Now I'm supposed to, like, be part of some massive cover-up of magic? That's expecting too much. It's too much. Leo asks Jenny to leave, which I want to point out, none of these people actually live in this <laughs> I house. I was going to say, there are three people in this scene and none of them live here. Leo shoes neighbor Jenny out and he's like, for crying out loud, Kyle, this is your mythic destiny. You're not supposed to use it to get laid. And Kyle's like, I don't, it's my first, it's my first day. It's his first day. And hey, maybe, maybe it's his job to have seven more kids. And then one of those kids will have seven more kids until it's the seventh son of 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 the seventh son. Also, he didn't sign up for this. You called him. He doesn't have to perpetuate your anti-magic conspiracy. Well, it's true he doesn't, but the cleaners or those demons that kill people will probably get him if... Yeah, I guess that's... Okay. All right. If they feel like doing their jobs that day, which they often don't. 
So, Tuatha has her own book of shadows, which... Witches should. All witches should have their own book of shadows in this world, because that's how it works. I really wish she was a reoccurring villain. Yeah, that would be cool. Charmed has a reoccurring villain problem. We don't really get a good one until Cole, and then the seer, and then basically never again. Yeah, it introduced a lot of really great villains that then get vanquished, never to be seen again. I mean, I guess Barbus is kind of a neat reoccurring villain. Barbus is a good reoccurring villain, but really, you say reoccurring, how many times do we get him? Like twice? No, he shows up like once a season. Oh, okay. He's going to be in this season in the episode where Prue has to go undercover as an assassin called Ms. Hellfire. A dominatrix themed assassin because if you're if you're going around assassinating people the main thing that you want is to be dressed in a tight rubber dress i was gonna say though aren't all assassins in television dominatrix themed assassins point but (laughs) the spell that tuatha looks up in her book of shadows is the spell to disempower a witch Hmm. yep Hmm. and it requires a human heart we, uh, I think we might have some questions for Grams. Yeah, yeah. I was actually going to say that we do a really cool thing where we go from this scene to the girls looking in their book of shadows to scry for something that is lost. Like, it's a really great scene transition. Speaking of major mythology for Charm, this is like one of the big ones yeah this is the first time that the girls use scrying which is going to be a big thing for them later oh my god i can't believe i forgot about this oh oh, oh my you, god you forgot about this i did, did you? i did i forgot about this next thing that's about to happen so a <sighs> a young man is wandering around the woods film filming himself this might be familiar to those of you who have seen the iconic horror movie the Blair Witch Project here's the thing it's not like an homage to the Blair Witch Project when Tuatha finds him he explicitly says he is looking for the Blair Witch and he is explicitly supposed to be Josh from the movie except instead of standing in a corner he gets his heart ripped out by Tuatha does not drop the camera at any part. Well, know. I mean, when he dies. No, he just kind of falls over holding it. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, I... <sighs> yeah. We're going to come back to this. We're going to come back to this, but... I'm very impressed that you remembered a character's name from uh, from the Blair Witch Project. And the girl was Heather. I forget the second guy. I... Was it Matt? Mike? St- I mean, statistically, it was probably an M name. <laughs> But I think you might be right. I think it might be Mike. I mean, you would know better than me. I, I didn't see it, but... Wait, you've never seen The Blair Witch Project? I feel like I, I get the gist of it. Should we watch it? Yeah, we should. You've never seen... Wow, okay. Okay, so... It's a movie that had two sequels, neither of which... Okay, we're not going to talk about the sequels to The Blair Witch Project. But you know what we should talk about? We should... Especially since, you know, I'm an old. Mm. And uh, Blair Witch Project came out my senior year of high school, which is also, by the way, the same year that this episode came out. And some of our listeners who are not old might not be familiar with the Blair Witch Project. And 
all of the stuff surrounding the Blair Witch Project. Which so, is the stuff people remember from the Blair Witch Project. Yeah. The deal with the Blair Witch Project is that it was one of the very first movies to have a viral marketing campaign. Well, it was the first altered reality. Well, it wasn't the first altered reality game, but it was kind of the first movie that was like built around altered reality games. I read this really good article about how QAnon works the same way as uh, as altered reality games, which we can't get into. Yeah, let's it's not a whole talk about deep, depressing dive, but altered reality is a cool way to do viral marketing for a movie well now keep in mind this is like the dawn of the internet the internet is just starting to be a thing so we're just starting to get like movie websites and and people talking about things that are coming and so there are all these websites across the internet that have different pieces of the story which is these three kids shooting a documentary about the Blair Witch. They all died. Their film was found, you know, months later, and it's been edited together, and that's the film you're watching. And this is the story that was put out, this alternate reality game that was put out. And it was so kind of, like, infused in everything about the movie. I saw the movie at a special showing with the filmmakers mm. and they were doing a Q&A about the making of the film and there were people in the audience who were still confused about what was and was not real. Like, somebody asked them a question during the Q&A about what kind of permission they had to get from the families of the dead kids. I'm sorry, I, keep, I just... I, I forget what uh, internet reviewer who did a thing of the second movie, you know, they were, they were talking about, you know, people didn't know whether it was real or not, even though, like, one of the actresses from it was on Letterman, and he's like, maybe she was a ghost on Letterman. Oh, uh, yeah. Also, one of the, the, Heather was not just on Letterman, she was in a Steak and Shake ad that was airing at the time. God. None of those careers went anywhere. No, they did not. Also, they didn't have a script for this film. Yeah, no, it was basically a director goes out and terrifies three very low-paid actors in the woods. Yeah. Like, the reason they seemed so freaked out is because the guy kept on jumping out at them and not letting them sleep and, like, blowing air horns at them randomly, like... Yeah, he would, like, bang on their tent while they were sleeping and then they'd have run outside and they'd have set up these, like, creepy tableaus for them to find when they ran out of their tents. Yeah. Yeah. Blair Witch Project. Look it up. It's one of those things where I feel like probably the stuff around it is more interesting than the movie itself. I'm saying that having not seen the movie, I don't know. Can't believe you haven't seen the movie. No, like the commercials for it freaked me out as a kid. Oh right. Sorry. <laughs> well, well, I am an old. Max is not an old. I'm not that much younger than you, but I was. Honest to God, I didn't really get into horror movies until college, like. I was still pretty freaked out by stuff up until college. It was, it wasn't until a friend of mine, freshman, like, you know, one of the freshman year friends you get uh -huh, when yeah. you first get to college. 
he like made me watch the first three saw movies and the first three resident evil movies and i was like and after that you were you were immune no i was like wow i always thought horror movies were way scarier than they actually are like because it was always the sort of thing i'd build up in my head and i'd freak myself out about and then you know when i was actually sat down and forced to watch them i was like oh really oh okay and then i got really into cheap slasher movies because it's easy to do work around them and they were all on youtube back then because the law meant nothing but charmed before we get back to Charmed, I just have to say, I, I still don't really like horror movies, um, mostly because I don't like torture porn, which is kind of what we have now. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, I much prefer a slasher to torture porn. I don't like jump scares. That's the thing that takes me out of most horror. Mm. Well, I will say, so a torture porn that I saw that really upset me, that disturbed me, was A House of a Thousand Corpses. Oh, God, we get it, Rob Zombie. You're so hardcore. But there was one death in particular that really, really disturbed me when I watched it. And I've never rewatched it because it upset me so much. But I now know that the actor whose death upset me so much was played by Rain Wilson. So I feel like if I were to rewatch it, it would not be as upsetting. Hmm. I didn't see House of a Thousand Corpses. I saw the sequel, The uh-huh. uh, Devil's Rejects. I swear... And I also saw his remake of uh, Halloween, I think. Yeah. Yeah, Halloween. And I'm like, Rob Zombie just makes the same stupid movie over and over and over again. We get it. Low-income families are scary. Ooh. Like, get a new shtick, dude. I mean, I get it. He's a heavy metal guy who pivoted into making movies. but Yeah, a very specific kind of horror movie. Oof. Okay, now get back to Charmed. Charmed. Yes. So, Leo is trying to teach Kyle how to use the wand by yelling at him and calling him an idiot. Well, so he can't do it again. He could do it when he was trying to impress Jenny, but he can't do it now. So, clearly he can only do it when he's trying to get a girl to give him, you know? Leo's like, it came from inside your heart before. I think it might have come from lower regions, but okay. Love the euphemisms, Leo. But yeah, he, he, he gives Kyle a, a pep talk to to get him to... Uh, Believe in yourself. Have have the pep to work the wand. And Kyle just keeps on trying to spin it on his finger, which... Shouldn't he be trying to do the Shoot thing Shoot out of it? Yeah. I mean, that's a good point. So... <sighs> While this is going on, the Charmed Ones come down from the attic having finished their scrying... And they're like, yeah, Leo, we're going to go kill the witch. You guys keep playing with your stick. We're going to go kill the witch. Like, I know, blah, 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 special destiny or whatever, but we're the charmed ones. We could probably just throw a, we could probably just throw enough magic at her and she'd explode. I mean. We can just like hit her with a truck. Yeah. Yeah, we can just hit her with a truck. As the charmed ones are leaving. (laughs) Sorry, Noah. No weapon forged of man. Exactly. That was Times then. change. Yeah. God, that was that was that was really cool. That was Yes. That I I, I honestly This is don't, a Buffy reference. That is a Buffy reference. I honestly don't watch the first few seasons of Buffy over again that often because they're a really, really good encapsulation of high school and 
I feel like I don't really have the patience for high school drama at my age, so. I, I understand that, yeah. Yeah. But they're, they're really good. They're just a really good encapsulation of something I'm very much past. So, uh, the Charmed Ones are leaving the house, and as they open the door, ready to go out and face true evil... <sighs> it's Jack Sheridan. Ugh, I hate this guy. Asshole extraordinaire. Have I mentioned that I hate this guy? So... He's like, hey, Prue, you got a really nice house. Buckland's obviously pays you the big bucks. And Prue's like, uh. Yeah, he he says he, oh, God. She's like, how did you find me? And he says, I followed your scent. Gross. Yeah. He realized that he didn't have the address anymore. He realized that Prue must have taken it from him somehow. And now he wants his wand back. And here's the thing. He keeps talking about it like it's his wand. He has the right to it. It's rightfully his. Um, He didn't finish that deal with that woman. He didn't pay her or anything. So, no, it's it's not yours. But no, no time to talk about that because here's neighbor effing Dan. And neighbor Dan's like, hey, what's going on? I, I, I saw dudes around the house and I was like, hey, hey. This seems like the sort of thing I need to stick my nose into. And then Leo comes out of the side hall and he's like, oh, hey, guy. I, I like that Phoebe takes over. Phoebe's like, you know what? You three work this out. Leo, you keep training Kyle. We're going to go out the back door and let this happen here. Okay, so... This just seems like you would leave neighbor Dan with way more questions because what's your handyman doing with a teenage boy and a wand in your house? You know what? That's Leo's problem to explain. Yes. So they have scried Tuatha's, you know, down to her cave so they know where she is. They go hiking through the one trail they got permission to shoot at. <laughs> they find the single skeleton through the cave entrance and... I am glad people are pointing out it's weird to have skeletons lying around. It is weird to have skeletons lying around. Oh, I also want to point out that Prue is wearing a kind of chunky sweater that I really like. Hmm. It looks super cozy. I kind of want to knit it. This is sort of a thing. I, I'm just, it, it brings me back to Emma Swan occasionally wearing giant white sweaters and, uh, Once Upon a Time. Yeah. And you know, Buffy had a couple giant white sweaters too. Yeah. It's a good look. Yeah. And yes, Emma Swan is definitely feels like she was modeled after Buffy's look. The more we watched some season six and seven Buffy, the more we were like, oh, yeah. Well, honestly, what really drove it home for me was watching Angel when they have all of the Buffy homage characters like Detective Kate Lockley or other people, mm -hmm. mostly Detective Kate Lockley, but there are other people where it's like. Oh, I can I can see the roots of Emma Swan real deep here. Oh, God, Elizabeth Rom is such a bad actress. She really is. We made it so close to the end of Angel. We got like we started the Illyria stuff, and it's just like, oh my God, what is the point of any of this? I mean, we we could still finish it. We're halfway through season five. Yeah, I mean, we might as well kill it at this point. But like, the Illyria stuff is straight out of nowhere, and it really doesn't have any bearing on the rest of the plot. Yeah, no, they really. I mean. 
they do Fred's character so dirty, which shouldn't surprise us because it comes right on the heel of how dirty they do Cordelia. Yeah. Ugh. Boy, really horrible things happen to the women of Angel Investigations, don't they? Hmm. Hmm. Which, I just, I don't get it. It seems like such a weird diversion to take for, you know... Wait, the Fred thing or the Cordelia thing? The Fred thing. I mean, say what you will about the Cordelia thing, at least it was built up. Like... I guess. Like, it was built up to, like... I, I don't think it was earned or anything, but, you know... At least it was prophesied. Things led into... Like, there there was setup for it with... With the Illyria thing, I mean, there there was some setup for it, but it was mostly just like, hey, we're going to have, we're having the really fun episode Smile Time, so you know something bad's going to happen next episode, and then it's super goofy at the beginning of next episode, so you know something bad's going to happen, and then Fred inhales some coffin dust, and bam, she's dead, and her soul is destroyed forever, and it's like, really? Really? Just so you... And it's not like they need to get rid of the actress or anything. She's in the rest of the season as Illyria. Yeah, no, it's... It's messed up. And she doesn't add a ton to the show. I mean, it gives them another fighter, I guess. It lets them put Amy Acker in leather. That's all it does. Yeah, she has the weird evil magical girl transformation into the demon goddess Illyria. And then, uh she has super she has like super super powers for like one episode and then she gets demoted to just having regular superpowers and she has a weird flirty relationship with wes where you know he's like uh i wish you were the dead girl who hooked up with me just so it would be extra sad when she died even though we had basically no chemistry up to that point yeah whew it's weird because generally speaking i'm like season five of angel is a really strong season but going over it again it's like no it has some really strong episodes but yeah as a season it's kind of uneven Mm. yeah charmed so tuatha has her altar set up the charmed ones see it but tuatha wasn't ready for there to be three witches so she gets ready to kill prue but uh uh-oh piper's there Yep. Piper's got a pipe. Piper's got a pipe. Yeah, Piper freezes Tuatha before she can shrink slash feed them to her snake. Because I guess that's just her go-to thing. Sure, sure. And uh, Tuatha manages to disappear before they can vanquish her. Hmm. Back at the manor, Leo is teaching Kyle to vanquish evil. Yeah, so... The spinny thing was because he had a boner for neighbor Jenny, so if he wants to do Le Blasto, he has to access a different emotion. And Leo's like, you have to get angry. Pretend that I'm evil. Get angry at me, bro. And Kyle's like, I don't think I can get angry at you. I just, because I know you're a good person and you're trying to help me. And Leo's like, I've been kind of a massive dick to you all episode. You really don't think that you can, you know. But also, like, Kyle doesn't know him. Like, what, I'm supposed to pretend that you're evil i i don't know but also kyle has self-esteem issues and leo leo's like look if you want to be a sad little wiener boy be a sad little wiener boy but know that innocent people are gonna die because you can't point a wand at a lady i mean leo does 
like berate him like he he berates him until he's mad and then he's like good now you're mad now use your magic and it's like maybe that's not what you should be tapping into but Mm. what what it works yeah he calls you know he's like he calls kyle a little dick boy and kyle magic forces him with the wand through the window that poor window that yeah that window gets it a lot and then leo orbs in behind kyle he's like way to go bro you did it good for you yeah good thing leo's a handyman because uh he's gonna have to fix that window Mm. as piper points out when she walks into the room she's like really really well piper says you know leo's gonna have to fix that window what she doesn't bring up is who's going to pay for the giant pane of glass that must be so expensive in those giant bay windows do you think the elders give leo a stipend for his handyman stuff because you know leo doesn't really have money does he no no he doesn't this this will become an issue later on for leo when he is around for stuff like when, when he's in a more serious relationship with piper the fact that he can't pay for stuff will be a sticking point for his pride do you think at this point in time in addition to his white lighter duties he's actually working as a handyman no, no, you know what I bet? I bet it's he, he gets money, but he can only use it for on-the-job stuff. Like, he has to give them an itemized list or whatever. Oh, yeah, I guess he doesn't need to eat or anything. Yeah, okay. Anyway, the Charmed Ones tell Leo that they did not, in fact, defeat Tuatha. And, in fact, the only reason they escaped is because she wasn't expecting all three of them. And he's like, that's okay. This 16-year-old boy will defeat her. Yay. And Kyle's like, um, no, that's not gonna happen, dog. And I like Piper. Piper steps and she's like, seriously, Leo, just because we failed doesn't mean this kid has to, like, child soldiers are a bad thing. Like, you can't be, I'm one of the forces of good, now this child soldier needs, now this literal child needs to blow up a lady. Well, I mean, right? They're not the Watchers. They should be better than this. So they decide that what they're going to do is find a spell in the Book of Shadows to take away Tuatha's powers. Because if she had a spell to take away the powers of a witch, then they should have one too. Well, we know that they should because Grams sealed their powers away. Exactly. Anyway, in the woods, Heather, and yes, his name is Mike... Heather and Mike, and they talk to, they call each other by name, so we know that that... They're explicitly just the characters from the Blair Witch Project. Yeah. Heather and Mike are looking for Josh, and uh, the Tuatha Witch finds them, and they even do this, like, zoomed-in shot of their faces, like the iconic self-shot that Heather does in the video where she's like, I'm so scared. Yeah. See, this is why you don't just feed people random willy-nilly to your snake in case you need extra hearts. What would you have done if What's-His-Bucket was alone? I mean, she'd have found two more people. But yeah, she she now she has three hearts, so now she can take all the powers away. She's, she's just lucky these people are night hiking. They, they were looking for the Blair Witch. I mean, she's lucky that there were people in the woods looking for a witch when she, a witch, was out looking for innocent people. Yeah, and so it's like how the Wendigo always attacked people in the same park, but it also only attacked people with this rare blood type. 
And it's like, boy, the Wendigo sure is lucky that people were people with that rare blood type were out at night in these one, you know, in these particular locations. Yeah. Oh, so... Speaking of, no Daryl this episode. Oh yeah. So back, they had to they had to spend that money on Jenny, right, right. All that all the Daryl money going straight to neighbor Jenny. So back at the manor, Piper is like cleaning up her wounds, and Leo's like, "I'll heal you," and she's like, "No, don't touch me," because things are super weird. Because I don't really understand what our relationship is right now, and you and me both, Piper. Yeah, are we together? Are we not? Do you love me? Do you? what's going on and leo's like hey hey shut up and he heals her and she's like yeah okay. that answered nothing that just raises more questions and leo kind of overplays his hand here he's like hey neighbor dan is never going to love you like i've been watching your family for a creepy long time and you know what doesn't work out for women in your family? Relationships with human dudes. Your mom got divorced. Your grandma ran through like seven guys who she probably killed. I mean, let's be fair. This is this is how Graham this is how Graham's rolls. Like, you can't be with a human dude. And Piper's like, oh, yeah, so what happened to my mom when she hooked up with a white lighter? And he was like, <laughs> Ah, yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> she died. Okay, so uh, uh, speaking of relationships that you should be more cautious about, Neighbor Jenny and Neighbor Dan are in Neighbor Dan's truck, and they drive past Kyle, and Neighbor Jenny's like, oh, hey, that's Kyle. Uncle Dan, let me out. And he just does, and is like, all right, see you back at home. Goodbye, my 14-year-old niece. I'm just going to drop you off. After we were doing a bout of night driving, I'm just going to drop you off with this random teenage boy. I don't know. But if, if you need my help with a report about sex, I'll be happy to foist you off on the ladies who live next door. He's a terrible guardian. <laughs> he is. He has, like, no questions. Anyway. Anyway. Take good care of my niece, strange boy. Anyway, neighbor Jenny's like, hey, you want to show me some more magic? And he's like, I don't think I'm magic after all. Which, you know you are. You threw Leo through a window with the wand. Yeah. Well. He he has self-doubt issues because he's the youngest of seven brothers. So everyone picks on him. And he, he's, he's like Hans. He's Hans from Frozen. Well, I mean, he has self-doubt because this is the part in the hero's journey when he must reject the call. That's, that's, that's the part of the hero's journey we're on. And, and he turns and literally runs away. He runs screaming and crying into the night when Jenny's like, so. Can you show me more magic? And he's like, no, no, I can't. And Jenny's like, thanks D-bag. Now I have to walk the rest of the way home alone, I guess. So back at the manor, the snake gold dusts in again, because this is where the wand is. I feel like there should be something around the manor that prevents evil snakes from materializing. Honest to God, it it bothers me so much that the Charmed Ones never set up anything to stop evil people from just teleporting into the manor all willy-nilly. 
eight seasons of this show and they never set up wards. Honest to honestly, if I was a demon, I would just teleport in at like three a.m. and fireball them in their beds in their sleep. If I was a demon, I'd be like, surely this is a trap. Anyway, Leo comes in and is like, uh, there's a snake. 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 And, uh, Prue tries to crush it, and instead all she does is turn it into two snakes. She made two snakes. Now there are two. So, thank God they don't lock their doors. Right. Uh, Piper can't freeze it because, you know, her powers have been taken by Tuatha. But Kyle runs in, and, uh... Leo throws the wand to him, and he uses the wand to blow up the snakes. Her poopsies. It's a Little Mermaid reference. Oh. He, uh, he uses his, his own magical incantation. Die! I mean, straight to the point, right? It's, it's effective. It's just as effective as Phoebe's rhymes. <laughs> Phoebe's fresh beats. So, I guess now he has proven to himself that, in fact, he, uh... He is worthy of murdering some lady. Yep. So, Phoebe has brewed up a bunch of potions, because even though they've had their magic taken away, they can brew up potions. Good to know. And she's created a special confidence potion for Kyle, so that he'll believe in himself and thus be better able to disintegrate some lady. Now, of course, this... That's not a real thing. This is a this is a Dumbo's feather situation. Yes, Phoebe says there's no such thing as a confidence spell, which is blatantly untrue. Piper used one on the bartender back in several episodes ago. Oh, yes, she did. She did. Actually, I think it was in season one. But there is very much a confidence spell, which I guess maybe they can't do spells without their powers. Kyle seemed pretty well confident when he killed those snakes, though. I mean, I guess it doesn't hurt to have a little extra confidence, but... yeah. You know, this is reminding me of the episode of Bewitched where Endora puts a confidence spell on Darren, except... Was that ever Darren's problem? A lack of confidence? She should have made him a non-douchebag spell. Well, so, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a vanity spell. Uh. Except what it really is, is because she wants uh, Samantha to, to see him as, as a I, person I... unworthy of her attentions. Um, she couldn't find like I don't know a magic pair of glasses that let you see super obvious things well you know this is the problem if you give your kids something to rebel against then they might run into the arms of somebody who rejects them so completely because god Darren is the effing worst I've only seen like a couple episodes of Bewitched but he's so awful just let your wife be a witch what does Samantha get out of this relationship she gets away from her mother her mom's awesome no I know Andorra is the best we should I I didn't realize you'd only watched a couple of episodes of Bewitched we should watch some more Bewitched yeah yeah Agnes Moorhead's great yeah I know icon so Anyway, they're getting ready to fight Tuatha because, you know, she's going to go where the wand is. I guess she didn't need the snake after all. I don't know. Maybe the snake told her before it kerploded where, you know, stuff was going down. Yeah. So she uh, she appears in the Hollow Manor. She throws knockout dust at Phoebe and Leo, which just ace job there, guys. 
Well, they throw knockout dust at her first and it doesn't work. So she's like, hey, I have knockout dust. I haven't used it before, but I'm just going to show off how mine works when yours doesn't. And she throws like freezing dust at Piper again, just like salt in the wound. And then she voips the wand away from Kyle and she's like, boy, you really suck at your job, don't you? Some chosen one. He's like, no, my confidence issues. It's the one thing that they established about me. And Piper's like, prove the confidence potion. And Prue just smashes a tiny bottle of water over Kyle's head. He's like, I'm confident now. And he has a like force battle where he pulls the wand to him from Tawatha and she tries to pull it back and it's just going back and forth between the two of them. Yeah. Piper's like, believe in yourself, Kyle. I'm pointing as hard as I can. <laughs> oh. But after a honestly kind of ridiculously long time, you just see the wand going back and forth between the two of them and it like zooms in on Tawatha and it zooms in on Kyle and it zooms in on Tawatha and it zooms in on Kyle and it zooms in on Tawatha and it zooms in on Kyle. And if it seems like I'm going on for a long time, just imagine watching it. Anyway, Kyle's like finally has the wand and he wishes her into the cornfield and now you're done. You 16 year old boy have fulfilled your destiny. You have nothing left to do. Yep, congratulations. The rest of your life is an anti-climax. Yep. Wah, wah. Yep. Oh, also Piper has to wake up Leo and be like, are you okay? Yep, she steps over Phoebe's corpse to, you know, shake Leo and be like, Leo. And Phoebe's like, I'm fine if anyone cares. I like that Phoebe kind of like curls up on the ground. She's like, whatever. I'm getting some more sleep. And Leo's like, now you see, the goodness, the the fight, this is what neighbor Dan will never get if you decide to bone him. Ugh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. God, yeah, they start talking about their stupid relationship. And, you know, you, know you, you can't have one foot in both worlds, and I have to have one foot in both worlds because I'm a witch, but I'm also a woman. And, you know, you can help me with witch stuff, but neighbor dan will help me with woman stuff you know what i i didn't realize until we started talking about this relationship but given that the forbidden nature of their coupling has not been revealed to us the audience yet Hmm. why are they not together like they could be such a power couple a literal power couple yeah and also neighbor dan is really obviously the Apollo. he's fine he's fine there's nothing wrong with neighbor dan he's <laughs> is he riley is neighbor dan riley yeah he's basically riley without the terrible ending hmm. where he no. gets sucked into like the vampire drinking from you cult well i mean you remember what happens with neighbor dan right no i guess i don't he gets obsessed with finding out what Leo's deal is because he finds out, like, Leo faked his... Oh, pat- yes, like, yes, I do remember what happens with Neighbor Dan. He faked not being a guy who died in World War Two. He's basically Don Draper. Yes, Leo is basically Don Draper, and Neighbor Dan's like, I'm gonna find out what's up with him, and Piper's like, uh, this is so unattractive. Yeah, Neighbor Dan basically becomes Pete Campbell. Which brings us back to Connor. Yeah, which, it all goes back to Angel. <laughs> So, by the way, when Kyle banished 
Tuatha, the crystal in the wand broke, shattered. Congratulations, kid. You found out that magic is real and you had magic powers and lost them immediately. You did the one thing you were supposed to do, and now you're done. Oh, and uh, Prue tells him that the courage was inside him the whole time, lion. Yeah, yeah, they magic feathered him. Yeah. They magic feathered him, he was, you know. They're also like, oh, by the way, don't tell anyone about magic because... If you do, we'll kill you. We'll kill you dead. And you don't have that wand to protect you from witches anymore. Yep. He's like, I'll keep your secret. And they're like, mm, yeah. All right. Sure, Jan. No, they believe him. He's, who's who's going to believe him if he tells? Who's he going to tell? Besides the cleaners, will just kill him if he tells anyone. Like his six brothers. They all pretend he's invisible. There you go. So... We wrap up at P3. Hey, no band this episode. There is no band. Uh, there is a man. Yeah, uh, Prue has asked Jack to meet her here at the club so that she can give him the wand and be like, hey, here's the wand. It is rightfully yours. Now that it's broken and therefore worthless and also the woman who who owned it mysteriously vanished and also jack never paid her for it so what what What? but anyway jack's like whatever i'm gonna get a job at buckland so i can better sexually harass you because i'm super rich and i got rich through archaeology or whatever so i know enough of my stuff for them to hire me and they've been they've been begging me you know to start working there but i didn't have a reason until i saw you and was like Ugh, I hate that I'm definitely going to sleep with you. You know, I-, I know slap slap kiss kiss is like a trope, but... Oh, and it's a trope I like. I just uh, hate him. Hmm. A lot. So, neighbor Dan saunters through the club up to Piper. Yeah, she's like, come sit in the VIP area. We can do that because I own this club. Yes, I have a special area cordoned off for me and for me only. Where I can wear my most attractive burlap sack. Yeah, it's not a great dress. It's aggressively unflattering on Holly Marie Combs. Which is wild because she's an attractive woman. Mm. But she tells neighbor Dan that, yes, there was a weird thing with Leo, but it's over now. She's she's definitely ended it, and now it's just the two of them, and they can... They can bone in the middle of her club, and no one's going to stop her because it's her club. Yes. And uh, Phoebe has no one. And that she stands alone. And Phoebe was there too. And Peggy. Oh, Peggy would have been a good charmed one sister name. Yeah. And that was the end. I really enjoyed this episode. I know we were goofing on it a lot, but... Well, honestly, this episode is really good. And I I really enjoy Tuatha as a villain. God, I wish she stuck around. She's so fun. I know we didn't really talk about her much, but she's, I mean, she is really obviously taking a page from Bernadette Peters as the witch from Into the Woods. Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, The Blair Witch stuff is so strange. I I don't know what to do with it. I I kind of hate it, but I kind of love how much I hate it. Mm. Like... It's such a bad idea that it makes me laugh. Yeah, like, honestly, this this episode's kind of firing on all cylinders. It's got a lot of 
the camp stuff it's kind of tongue-in-cheek but it deviates from the formula in like fun ways and it takes itself just seriously enough kyle's not super annoying i know we spent a lot of time clowning on him but and the charmed ones actually care about an innocent which it's so sad that this is our that our standards are you know because we're still in the solid seasons of charmed wait by innocent though you mean kyle oh yeah no like that old lady wasn't an innocent she was just some rando she was just some old lady. I mean, honestly, the Charmed Ones didn't actually have a good reason to be here. I mean, yeah. this feels like another thing where Leo just kind of looped them in because he wanted to talk to Piper about their relationship. But All right, so I believe that will take us to our power of three. Ooh, yes. Uh, let's tap into the first of our three powers, premonitions where we look into the past present and future and see who is was or will become famous later who was in this episode uh we're kind of spoiled for choice here aren't we this episode is an embarrassment of riches when it comes to premonition so um shall i start yeah go for it so i will bring up tuala herself bridget branagh speaking of angel yes uh bridget branagh plays Wesley's reoccurring love interest, Victoria, on Angel. God, it's so great. Her dad's like this high-ranking evil wizard who tries to sacrifice her to a demon in exchange for power, only to find out that, you know, he he made a deal to sacrifice his virgin daughter on her, like, 25th birthday, and he he's kept her isolated her whole life, only to find out that she's regularly been sneaking out and having sex with people. <laughs> it's the, uh, the once-bitten ending. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I bring up Angel because that's that's our jam, but she also stars in Army Wives. That's probably her, her yeah. biggest thing. And uh, did you want to go next? All right. So the next person is Lachlan Monroe, who you might recognize as being the jock guy from the first scary movie. Or you might recognize him from being in goddamn everything because he's one of those actors who's in goddamn everything. He's been, uh, most notably recently, he is Hal Cooper, Betty Cooper's dad in Riverdale. He was also in that, he was the villain in that movie with Santa's daughter where she's, uh, yes, where she dates the mailman and he's like the evil mail boss who doesn't want mail on christmas because mail is bad for there's the post too, there's office too, there's too much mail there's too much mail and they accidentally have him deliver a good point which is santa's not actually supposed to write back to the kids so it's weird that they hire this random lady to write back to kids who send santa letters which that is weird that's weird lachlan monroe's character at a point but he plays the douchebag and lots of stuff You'll, you'll recognize him. Yes. Uh, so I, I'm actually going to, I'm going to double dip. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to do a, a third one here for premonitions. Mm-hmm. And uh, bring up, uh, we, we already mentioned it, but um, Malik Pinchuli, who is uh, Jonathan from 30 Rock. Mm. Interesting, Jonathan from 30 Rock, according to IMDb, is his most known for role. I can see. I mean, he was in Weeds, but it wasn't as like a main character. He was just there for. Yeah. He was a recurring character, but Jonathan was pretty high profile. Yeah, 
I guess. Um, he was also he's also in uh, the Good Wife and the Good Fight. Ah. Yeah. Uh, he's there's a there's a thing where they're being surveilled, uh, unbeknownst to to the people there, and we cut back to the people at NSA who are surveilling them, and he's one of the guys at NSA surveilling them. Ah. And uh, yes, he he did leave Thirty Rock briefly to be on Whitney, and he was on as I mentioned, the comeback. And he was also in web therapy, so yeah, I, I guess, guess that makes sense. Yeah, he's also a character like he is an actor who appears in lots of one shot roles. You've seen him in stuff. Yeah, but yeah, we were spoiled for choice this episode. We really were. Uh, is that it? Do you want to move on to our next power? Yeah, let's move on to our next power. All right, the next power in our pack, time freeze. What specifically dated the episode for you? I mean. The Blair, Blair Witch. Witch. Yes, all the Blair Witch references, because even a couple years later... I mean, references seems too soft a word for what they were doing. Outright theft. Just recreating the Blair Witch Project. I, I also had... Uh, what's his face? The teen boy? Kyle? Yeah, Kyle's whole aesthetic, he's basically Jeremy from Zitz. Yeah, he definitely has that late 90s floppy hair. Well, he has like the teen boy hair horn thing mm-hmm. that, again, Jeremy from Zitz had. until And Jeffy, I think, from Daria. Whichever yeah. one was the blonde one. Jeffy, mm-hmm. Jimmy, not Jamie, because Jamie was the black-haired one. Yeah. Sure. I'm pretty sure. Jeffy, Jamie... Joey, Jeffy, Jamie are the three boys. No, Joey. Joey was the one with the black hair. Okay, yeah. I'm, actually, I'm I think sure. I think Jamie is actually the one with the blonde hair. Yeah. But anyway, it's the kind of blonde, sim- super symmetrical hair horns that were like a thing for dudes in the 90s. Uh, I do like how uh, they ended up redesigning the kid from, uh, the kid from Zitz, like, later on because they realized how very very dated all of the character designs were Mm -hmm. so they're like we're going to give him the sort of haircut a teenager might actually have now him and his best friend because i thought i honestly when i i I haven't read zits since i was in high school Uh uh-huh and i took a look at it more recently and i was like oh i didn't recognize the two like him and his best friend because they have really different aesthetics now that's smart to do that redesign yeah I like when comic strips do modern redesigns. Honest to God, Apartment 3G, I know it's not around anymore, but bring it back. Newmark Trail's popular, right? I, I mean, would love new Apartment 3G. Newmark Trail is great. Like, and it's it's a really easy concept to modernize. Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel bad talking bad about old Apartment 3G near the end, but like, because the guy who was doing it was like in his late 90s. And well, I mean, the strip is like three sexy single women in an apartment. I feel like maybe you, you... very, very old men aren't the people who should be writing it. Yeah. But yeah. it was stuff like Marco's talking to someone at a restaurant, but all of the backgrounds are very clearly just the apartment. And like, I know it's you're putting it together from clip art, but you didn't have any restaurant clip art. And like everything was sort of more fractured than soap opera stuff normally is and then it's oh tommy tommy finds a deer and she brings it back to the apartment but then she brings it to a vet and the vet's actually a therapy vet and she's 
having weird coded conversations with him about a fiance which she apparently had entirely off screen who died and it's like what's going on like not that it was ever a bastion of narrative cohesion but late apartment 3g is really weird dream yeah it's a fever dream there's a deer apparently but you never see it it's yeah no it there's a lot of things happening just off panel in late apartment 3g should we do our final segment yes telekinesis what genuinely moved you this episode if anything okay so i actually don't have anything because while i really enjoyed this episode there was nothing really emotional for me mostly because the sisters were kind of off to the side which was an interesting thing to do in this episode but that meant we didn't have any really strong sister moments they probably wanted me to feel really strongly about the piper and leo stuff but yeah yeah yeah, uh, again, this was a really, really fun episode, but that sort of it sort of means there's no real emotional hook, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Not every episode needs an emotional hook. That's true. Sometimes you can just have a fun episode where they fight burned at Peters. Yes, exactly. Well, well put. So what have we got on the plate for next time? Uh, next time we're doing episode seven, They're Everywhere, and mm. the description is... A band of knowledge-stealing warlocks hunt down a young man who uncovered the location of one of the greatest sources of power in the world. Meanwhile, Prue has her hands full with Jack Sheridan. Oh my god. Okay, hold on to your butts, fans of Supernatural, because we got a giant-ass premonition for that episode. Ooh, exciting. Should I mention who it is, or you know, are, are we going to hold Do you want to tease it? I could tease it, or I could just say it. I mean, it. I guess I mean, you did kind of just tease it. Yeah. Do you want to just say it? Yeah, it's uh, it's Misha Collins, who's um, Castiel, that angel everyone wants to see What's-His-Bucket have sex with. We we are living in the uh, in the aftermath of... Destiel? Becoming canon. And by becoming canon, I mean Castiel telling Dean that he's gay and then immediately getting sent to super hell. <laughs> that... I mean, I can't imagine still being invested in Supernatural after the 27 a lot of years. Were, though. Yeah, but like, there's a power ship that's keeping these people, these people coming back for years and years and years, and finally, one half of it's like, yeah, I, I'm super, super into you, and the other half of the ship's like, ooh, I don't really like dudes, and the guy's like, oh, okay, super hell, <laughs> super hell. Uh, oh, indeed. I, I made it to like season three of Supernatural before I gave up, so I don't have the uh, investment. But okay, well, I'm gonna tease them next week. In addition to Misha Collins, we have another really well-known premonition. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Ooh. We have a we have an embarrassment of riches coming up next week as well. I mean, this is the thing Charmed is known for. Yeah, yeah. There are definitely. I mean, it's why we have a segment. <laughs> yeah. All right, so I guess that'll about do it. I, I guess that will do it. Our show is partially listener-supported. If you want to be one of those supporters, you should head over to our website, www.welcometotelevision.net, and click on our Patreon link. We'd like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Sam, Cassidy, Alex, Alicia, Ryan, Maracruz, Rosa, Javier, Benjamin, Kyle, and Kate. 
If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you could always rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the show. If you want to talk about this episode, or any episode, or any episode of any television show, you should join our Facebook page, Welcome to Television. We can also be contacted at I Love TV Zines on Twitter or at I Love Television Zines at gmail.com. So until next time, I'm Tina. And I'm Max. And this has been Welcome to Hollywell Manor. Thank you.